are bonus time with Joey Diaz on the Warrior Poet Podcast. This what? is it. We can go full wheels off now, Joey. Let's no do it. restrictions, Let's do it. Let's no do censorship. It. Let's do it. Yeah. So, Joey, one thing, I'm going to just dive right in because we don't have too much time here. So, I got to get to my questions here that my people on the Warrior Poet Podcast are interested in. Joey, you've talked about many intoxicants you've had throughout the years. But what about the, and you get high as fuck, higher than Shaq on stilts. You get high right, exactly. as any human being right, can get like high. Like but it, what like about it. what about some of the other psychedelic drugs that me and Joe talk about a lot when we're on the show? What's your experience been? You ever tried any mushrooms? You ever tried yeah. DMT? You ever tried? When How's I was, uh, you know, I my father died in 1966. He thought he was doing a bump of, of coke, and it was heroin. So he did a big bump and he mm -hmm. fucking died, you know. So growing up, I never, I always knew I wasn't gonna do none of that shit. Yeah. I was a jock. I didn't think I was even gonna do drugs. But as life went on, I started smoking pot like everybody else. And then, the big drug then when I was 13, 14, was mescaline. Really? Mescaline. Now you had microdot acid, which is one thing. Mm -hmm. But these guys, I used to drive to Pennsylvania to East Stroudsburg, it was like an hour away. I didn't drive, I had friends that drove, and they would get it in little pill form where you open up the capsule, he would do the shit. The you. acid or the mescaline? The mescaline, yeah. he would grind it up, I don't know what the fuck he would do. I, I wasn't too, but that was my, uh, after my mom died, I was 15, and I say for a year I did, because I would say that's how I made a living. So on Saturdays I would go to East Stroudsburg and these guys were like 30 and they were scientists, and they would make window pane acid, they would make four-way acid, they would make blotter acid, and they would uh, get, they had a relative in Arizona, and they would get the fucking mescaline, and mm -hmm. I mean, and grind it up and make the teas. I never had the mushrooms, and I really enjoyed tripping. Yeah. I went to see Pink Floyd, the wall tripping, 1980. Right. Mescaline or LSD? LSD, I went uh -huh. to see the stones on window pane acid, which is the strongest acid I ever did in my life. And then I used to, these guys also used to make the acid for the, for the ice cubes. Mm -hmm. for the sugar cubes, they would send you. And I mean, me and my buddies used to trip ass every night. I remember going home and seeing my face melting. You know, it was just a, it was just a very weird experience for me. And I did that up to 1980, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and you're young, you know, Orlando's young. You know, I tell people, people are like, what do you think about the weed situation in New York? Well, I saw that with cocaine. You know, I saw, you know, cocaine is, is a strongest drug ever because there was nickel bags, that's $5. There was masculine acid, which were $5, $4 for a hit, $8, yep. $10. And cocaine came along, and it was $100. Jesus. $100. There was no negotiation, no renegotiation. You know what sunglasses are doing for people now? You ever see, like, after a thing, you see the player from Miami, yeah, he, yeah, he's yeah. got a pair of glasses. He's yeah. a dumb fuck, but also he's side magna cum, he becomes you. Yeah. That's what cocaine did for people. People always think that cocaine came into society. When people first started doing cocaine, they didn't do cocaine to get high. Yeah. They did cocaine to raise their social status. It was a way, it was a Rolex. When you walked into that bar and you went, when you came out of the bathroom, the whole place would look at you. You were E.F. Hutton. Because you were blowing money, literally. Blowing money. And they thought it, it, it elevated you. It didn't elevate you as a drug. It became a drug years later. 
once they took it and they couldn't get the ether to cut it in Colombia, and we had to start sneaking ether into Colombia to cut it, because that was the biggest thing after a while. It wasn't them getting it out. It was sneaking the ether into the country to wash it. Then it became something else, and then mm-hmm. it is what it is today, mm-hmm. which is a, it's a fucking disgusting drug habit. It is. But it didn't start like that. It started as a social up-bump. Right. Because even if you weren't rich, you were rich that night. And girls thought you were rich, and they'd suck your dick, and they'd lick your asshole. They didn't give a fuck. That's what it was. So once cocaine came along, I didn't mess with the acid and stuff like that. I got everything you guys talked about. It was just 35 years ago. Right. I can't remember every psychedelic experience. But I would. But go did home. do you think it shifted your perspective at that point? Because, you know, there's a lot Absolutely. of studies coming it, out. It broke down what was going on right. in my head. It broke down why I hated God at the time. It broke down why God could take a mother from a child and not mm-hmm. leave no living family. And usually kids, when that happens to you and you're left in that situation, they're the ones that shoot a whole fucking post office up. Yep. That acid I did broke down the situation to slow me down. You know, so I'm very thankful I did that acid today. Mm-hmm. You know, and I did acid two years ago with Ari. We were going through a Pink Floyd thing. Uh, uh, you might agree with me, you might not. The DMT, that's kid stuff. I wouldn't give that to a 14-year-old. To me, that's kid stuff. Uh-huh. Because I don't believe in the 10-second trip. Does right. nothing for you. Well, it's that. That's you're talking about smoking it now. You t- no, no, no. Drink, I'm you, talking about whatever the fuck you guys well, do. Well, look, it. you drink the ayahuasca, you're going to be gone right, for as long as an acid. The trip. mushrooms are great. I'm, I didn't experience mushrooms till '84, till I got to Colorado. The problems with mushrooms they give me diarrhea. So half the fucking night, I'm wiping my stomach. ass with a fucking right. worrying about how many trees they cut. So for me to wipe <laughs> my ass, I'm sitting there looking at toilet paper, tripping on, you know, well they must have cut a whole forest down for me to. I won't wipe my ass. So I always tell people, you want to fuck with me? Let's go get some window pane. Let's lock ourselves <laughs> in the room. Let's put on Black Sabbath, Master Reality, and let's get to what's really fucking bothering you. Yeah. What's really sick. Now, I met you, and you've enlightened me with the ayahuasca. But more in the sense, my interest is it is the interest of people getting high for 20 years and all of a sudden doing ayahuasca and not wanting to get high ever again. That's, 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 that's what that's my interest is. You know, I went to, I went to a conference out in uh, Oakland. It was called the, the MAPS Conference, Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Science uh, Studies. And the conference was psychedelic science. And so they had all the best doctors and researchers out there. And they're coming out with some amazing results from this shit. So the psilocybin has dosed 120 people in clinical trials and measured clinical outcomes. The Johns Hopkins study is really famous, in which case like 94% of the people who took psilocybin said that it was one of the most meaningful experiences of their life. 40% said it was the single most meaningful experience. So they got that clinical data. They got clinical data on people in palliative care that are dying at the end of their life and the experiences that they have with clinicians. They got post-traumatic stress. They got depression. Ayahuasca is doing a lot for addiction. Listen to a speech by this guy, Dr. Gabor Mate. Brilliant man. And he's worked on the Lower East Side in Vancouver, which I guess is a really rough area. I don't really know Vancouver that well. Vancouver's got a a huge drug problem. Yeah. Huge heroin problem. So he, yeah, huge heroin problem. So he's been using a combination of um, ayahuasca and some different care and, and also a boga, ibogaine, to really break down these people's addictions. And he's saying all of these doctors and scientists who are just, they, they began not as psychedelic advocates, but as doctors and scientists are saying, listen, you give someone psilocybin and give them through, you know, go through the same program, we'll accomplish what it took three years to accomplish in three hours. You know, and, and it's really it's cool to see what's going on with that. And, and the ayahuasca with addiction, he's like, these people who, 
you know, we would never really get them off everything. If we got them off the Coke, then they'd be hooked to the methadone. And then we never really got them off the addiction. Nothing, no. You know, he's like, now, Iboga, ayahuasca, continued care, we're seeing complete 180 turnarounds. Complete. Yeah. No aftercare, no taking. Totally. You know, I know a thousand people in L.A. that are clean and sober and AA, but they're all on some type of medication mm -hmm. to balance them out. That's not clean and sober. Nope. So they never did the job. They never took care of the job. I was addicted to cocaine for 27 years, and today I don't do cocaine, but I smoke pot. Mm -hmm. Is it a transfer of addiction? Absolutely. But I've always smoked pot. I've smoked pot since I was 10. But I do it to keep me together. Uh, I, I, liked, I always liked the assets. I always, like I said to you, really, at that age, it helped me find out who the fuck I was. The time where I really needed it. Gives you that other different perspective. At least just shifts things a little bit so you can realize, oh, okay. You know, you know what's actually happening? What was another interesting thing I found out? People think that a lot of these psychedelics are adding something to your brain. Like, because you're taking it in, right? So you right. assume when you take mushrooms that you're actually adding the psilocybin to your brain and that's causing something to happen. That's actually not what's happening. The psilocybin is restricting blood flow to certain parts of your brain that it's basically shutting down certain systems. So it's shutting down that system in your mind that's super alert and always worried about fucking or fighting or survival. It's letting that go to sleep for a little while. It's letting the areas of your brain that control depression, it's letting that go to sleep for a while by restricting the blood flow. And that's what's giving you the psychedelic experience. Same thing with all these drugs. They're not actually, DMT is a little bit different because it is adding tryptamine, but most of them like psilocybin and a lot of the other ones are actually just shutting down certain parts of your brain to allow the other parts to be active and to see. Pretty interesting how that's working, you know, because people think you're, work like, work yeah, people way. think you're really adding something to that. You know, it's weird because I don't know if, if I wouldn't have done that acid at that age, I wouldn't be in this room right now because it really broke down life for me at that mm -hmm. age. Uh, like I said, I had no, no, no supervision after the age of 15. I had no supervision. You know, I have a buddy who's staying with me at the hotel. He lives in Midland. He came up to visit me. And he was talking about it last night. He goes, I really give you props because you had no supervision after 15. None. Yeah. This is all Uncle Joey going to college, getting my diploma, all that shit I did on my own. You know, I didn't have, you know, you just said you went to college and you made your parents happy. I had no parents to be happy. But uh, all this, I think I take it a lot from my early experiences messing around. I mean, that's all I could blame it on. Yeah. I was so fucked up, you know. So I do believe it. I just don't like when people who've never done this shit talk about it too much. Yeah. I, if you've never taken an acid trip, do me a favor. Shut the fuck up. Just shut <laughs> yeah. the fuck up. Because sure. you don't know. It's like ayahuasca. You don't sure. fucking know. Sure. You know, I've seen a couple people on that dumb shit, the two-minute shit, and that's kid shit. Yeah. That's for little girls. That yeah. doesn't. That's not going to break down your mind. When you know when you did ayahuasca, your mind breaks down some Absolutely. shit. When you do the mushrooms, you know, like... I don't. I've never read that shit you guys read, because I'm. A, I never read High Times. I never read the guy. What's the guy you guys quote? Steve, whatever. Terrence McKenna. He tells you to do three grams of mushrooms. Listen, go fuck yourself. All right. <laughs> you got to read a book. There's something fucking wrong with you. You have to live it. Yeah, you have to experience, it, and then it. you can tell the fucking people. And that's the fundamentals of their religious beliefs too. All the shamans, all these people, and, and I'm a big proponent. Let's just put the caveat out. I'm not a proponent of willy nilly trying whatever you like. Right. I've always been the one who said, go find the people who understand the plants, they understand the medicine, they understand the set and the setting and how to give it to you to give you the most enlightening experience possible. I think that's incredibly important. So really try to do that as much as possible. But, you know, beyond that, 
you know, beyond the set and setting, I think there's just, um, oh, yeah, what the fuck was I talking about? <laughs> I well, just, need some coffee. What, what have we gotten from, from the, from the ayahuasca? Like, I'll tell you what happened to me a couple of years ago. The, the summer before I quit cocaine, uh, I happened to stumble on heroin, white Chinese heroin, which I always thought was the best shit in the fucking world. That's why they have wars over it. Mm-hmm. And I remember that summer, I would do a line of heroin. And here I was doing, you know, we have no reason to lie. We're family. I was doing a gram of coke a night minimum. I was opening up the night with a gram of coke. Opening up the night. Doing it in two lines. So as I was driving at the light, crushing it up in my hands, sticking a dollar bill in there, doing like this, and the gram was gone. I would go home, and after two hours, I'd call the guy again. Now he'd deliver it. For some reason, that summer, I would do a little line of heroin on Monday, and I wouldn't snort the whole week. So after three months, I didn't touch cocaine. Mm-hmm. And I was ready to call 60 Minutes and said, I found the cure for cocaine addiction. <laughs> it's fucking heroin. And I caught myself. I'm like, am I fucking crazy? You know? But even the, the, that heroin I did a couple of those nights, it's the reason why I'm here tonight. Because those, that heroin it came. Broke, it broke the cycle a little bit. It broke the cycle. Plus, heroin's a complete different thing. But it opens up your eyes also. It's a complete different thing, but it also opens up your eyes. That's why music sucks today, because ain't nobody doing fucking heroin. <laughs> Maybe Rian does a little taste every once in a while, and that's why you hear, where have you been all my life, life, life? That's the reason why. Nobody does heroin. They can't see it from the other fucking angle. Dangerous, dangerous. You're playing with real fire Day- there. It's, no, you're going I mean, into reality. Real you're going into reality. And like I tell people, I've never done heroin two days in a row. That'll kill you. But you think of all these things that have helped. You know, I think of my drug use. There was nights the cocaine was a waste, but there was a couple nights I got something out of it. I really did. Just me alone. Not abroad there, not me eating their ass or nothing like that. Just me writing or something like that. You know, I tell people all the time, my eyesight went to shit after I stopped doing Well, blow. you know, co- cocaine, I went, to, I went to Peru. I spent a lot of time in Peru. And did there, you ever do blow down there? No. No, you don't, ha- you don't have. The coca leaf is everywhere. Right. You're drinking coca tea. How you is got it? coca How is mint. Coca leaf? You chew up the coca leaf in Tremendous. your mouth. It's nice. It's mild. It's what it, I mean, it's just something like a caffeine alternative. At that point, just kind of keeps you, ju- but keeps you juiced and relaxed at the same time. You know, I mean, cocaine. Look, that that for me, I I've tried that before, and this is the first time I've ever met it. This was some years back, back in the party scene. I thought it was the worst, worst fucking drug, drug worst I've drug ever had in my fucking life. Worst drug. It made me feel kind of a little cooler for like five or ten minutes, and then reevaluate my life for the next twenty-four oh, it's hours. Horrible. It's horrible. It was horrible. horrid. Now, horrid. when you did the coca leaf. What was anything close to the live? You do, it's not as str- an extreme and up, but there's no down. So it's like this steady little climb that you just keep going the whole way. Because the altitude there is brutal. It helps with the altitude sickness, too. Right, so you right off the plane, you're at 14,000 feet, blazing sun. The sun at 14,000 feet, by the way, in the, in the Sacred Valley is like nothing you've ever experienced. Like you're, you, you wonder why the Incas worship the sun because it's so dominant there. But anyways, you're walking out there, and then the first thing off the plane, you have coca leaves, you have coca tea because they know the tourists want that shit. Ooh, coca, ooh, coca plants. But it's nice. You just settle into the habit of having that as a tea and a mint and a and a and a leaf, and that's the way it should be. I think it's a real shame that because people have made that drug, you know, the way it is, that you have to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, it'd be nice to have some coca tea 
out here. You know, we could be sipping, drinking it right now. Fuck Red Bull. That <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so that is that is a shame. But I find I remember what I was going to get to. The way that the psychedelic shamans and all these religious leaders talk about in the psychedelics, you were talking about experience. Go experience it. That's exactly what their belief is. You ask them to tell you about God, to tell you about that. They say, don't ask me. Stop talking. Stop running your mouth. Go drink a Go, cup of ayahuasca. Go find it. out I yourself. Can't stand it. Go find out for yourself what God is like. You know, and that's what all of them say across the board. You know, you want these answers. It's it, you can go seek it yourself. And that's I think the big problem with all these religions is they're all telling you some watered down truth from some experience that happened to somebody. Somebody tripped balls. You know, Moses, Jesus. Somebody had some psychedelic experience. They wrote. They talked to some disciples, and then some other people wrote it down. And then you're building this faith based, fear based, guilt based system based on somebody else's trip 2,000 years ago that has been manipulated by that many hands. You know, whereas the real spirituality, in my opinion, is just go fucking find it. Just go find it. Go experience Nothing it Nothing bothers me more when people try to be swarmy around me with Steve and whatever. And all. I, I hate that shit. Just go do it. I, I've never bought fucking, I've never bought high times. I don't have any yeah. posters in my house. You don't see me no pictures of reefer on my shirt. <laughs> or, you don't need to do none of that shit. Just yeah. smoke it, all right? Yeah. Well, make me happy. Just shut your fucking mouth and smoke. I don't want to hear nothing. And that's the way I am with all that stuff. You know, people always, I tried mushrooms. I lived in Colorado in the 80s mm -hmm. when mushrooms were fucking amazing. And I didn't think much of them. I was more into the acid. I wanted to do the 12-hour. I want to do the 12-hour because after four hours, you're thinking one thing. And after eight, you're thinking another thing. Yep. And after 12, you're thinking another thing. Fuck yeah. And unless somebody's done that for 12 hours, listen, go the fuck away. Go to the other side of the room and do DMT and jump up and down and <laughs> cry or whatever what the fuck you do. You know, what's the, you know what's the one even crazier than that is the aboga that I did, which is 24 hours, Joey. 24-hour oh trip. That is some crazy shit. I actually had a, a semi-lucid dream about doing it again last night. It was fucking crazy. What, what country did you do that in? I did that in Costa Rica, but it comes from Gabon in Africa. It's a shrub that grows in Africa, and the Bwiti people, B-W-I-T-I, are the ones that lead the ceremony. But I went down to Costa Rica to do it because one of the Bwiti shamans came down there to Costa Rica to administer it. That is some crazy shit, man. That's different than anything because it's a stimulant-based psychedelic. So your heart is pounding 24 hours and you're listening to some weird instrument that's part, this guy's got a string in his mouth and then another one on his balls, I don't know, somewhere now, it's going and it's so fast, but it's the only thing that's relaxing to you because your heart rate is so high. You know, so if you listen to anything calming, you're going to go crazy because your heart rates, dum, 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 and the music's, oh, la, la, la. you know, you, you go nuts. So, but the music's faster than your heart still, so you still feel like you're a human, you know, but man, it's fucking crazy. Now, what qualifies you to be a shaman? How do they become shamans? It's a tradition passed on grandfather to son okay. for unbroken, you know, years and years of lineage. And they do grandfather to son because they'd create a rival situation if it was father to son. So that's the only way they pass it on. Because these shamans, you know, they're the power players in their village, really. You know, they're, they're the chiefs. So, I mean, they're sometimes a leader, but they're as powerful, sometimes more powerful than the chief. I mean, they've built such a belief system around them. You know, they can put a hex or put a curse on anybody and just say they did. And that person will die because they believe that they've been cursed, you know. And so they are hugely powerful. And a lot of, some of them are great and some of them are bad. Some of them will abuse that power. Some of them even come to the West with that paradigm and will take advantage of 
people they're leading in ceremonies. You know, females. They just feel like they're, you know, kings. Take off your clothes, yeah. bitch. Yeah, exactly. It's like the guy that teaches uh, yoga in the heat. <laughs> that fucking pervert. I saw him one day. Like, I don't guy. even know who that is, but I can I can the, the guy, bring the analogy. It's, right? the, big, it's the big yoga company, the one that does the hot yoga. And he just got accused. Bikram. Of, Bikram. He just got accused of sexual harassment. You can tell he's a little dirty Hindu freak. <laughs> you don't need no fun. You know, yeah. I went to this party in Hollywood. Uh, for a barbecue, and I bumped into a chick. In fact, she talked me into yoga about four years ago, but I could tell she was sucking that Hindu dick because she was breaking it down to me too much. You had to suck a dick to, to be that. She's like, you have to go. Once they say amazing and something else in the same sentence, you suck that dick. Yeah. You know, you could tell. Don't take a genius. <laughs> so uh, you could tell he's just down there plugging up white chicks that go to L.A., oh, yeah. give them that old yoga dick with sweat on it and fucking downward down dog, dog up dog, up dog, down cobra, dog. Cobra, whatever. they're like, oh, my God, I've been spiritually changed. No, you haven't. You've been <laughs> you've spiritually been a, shot a loaded. You've been inseminated. <laughs> fucking yoga loaded. Spiritually load. inseminated. Yeah, it's funny. There's always that, that, you know, it can go either way. Like my ayahuasca shaman in particular is, you know, one of the things that I love about him is he's just, he is one of the good guys, you know. But you hear stories of these other people who, who just aren't. And, and one of the ways you can really tell is the more humble that person is and the more you wouldn't know if he was a shaman. If you saw him like my guy, Maestro Orlando Chuendama is his name, you see him out eating, he's going to be laughing, he's joking, he's got a ball cap on, he'll go out fishing. He doesn't, he doesn't give a fuck, but when it comes time to do business you know, and bring the ayahuasca to ceremony, he will create a parallel universe for you to trip with him in. You know, and he's singing and he's rattling the leaves and it's fucking straight business at that point. He's on another level. But in his day to day life, you'd never know. How it. much do you pay him for an ayahuasca trip? You know, they it, take it, money, they take yeah, love. They, do. They, t- <laughs> they get paid in money, they gotta keep the operations going. Some, you know, same deal. Some take take what it needs to kind of grow their grow their base and, and keep things kind of sustainable. And others will just gouge the shit out of you, you know, and make a business out Where of it. Where does yours live? He lives out in Peru, out in uh, near Terrapoto. And you contact him, or you just yeah, go yeah. down there and look open. He, man, he hit me up on fucking Facebook the other day. I was blown away about my. I had my psychedelic experience video out. I don't know if you've seen that. No, Jared, no, no. You, no. Oh, you have to check it out. It's a cool video. But yeah, he hits me up on Facebook, and I was like, "Whoa, worlds collide." I mean, things are things are happening fast. But he guess he got internet in his center down there. And so he was reaching out, but That's it's amazing. It's crazy, but yeah, he's you know he's got a three hundred year lineage of grandfather to grandson, you know, breaking down, passing him the lessons of the plants, the songs, and and all that. And then they have to go on basically their own vision quest, where they live in the jungle, surviving off the plants that they create for you know a year, two years. Each shaman does it a different way, just eating only the plants. It's their dieta. So to learn about the plant, they have to ingest what they believe is the spirit of the plant and really understand it. So not just the hallucinogens, but other things like cat's claw. So they'll go on a diet, a dieta, where they'll just have cat's claw for like a week. You know, so they really understand it. And they'll do that one by one through all the different plants in the jungle till they really know what the fuck's up with that plant. Because when you eat only one plant <laughs> for a week, you know exactly what that shit is going to do. You know, and that's how they're able to kind of read amazing. and prescribe things. So it's a really, you know, it's a powerful knowledge base that they have. And it's a different experience when you go down there to to do that kind of stuff. And then, you know, you put that on the other side and and they they have all this knowledge and they're still not even going to talk to you about it. They're like, go see it. Go find for yourself. You want to know what that plant's about? Eat it for a week. You know, don't don't ask me. Don't take my word for it. You know, I have my opinion, but, you know, go find it. 
And then you, you counterbalance that with some priest or, or whatever in, in kind of common religion. It's just passing That's along amazing. something they read you know, in a book. They've never experienced any of that shit. They don't know. It's just something they read, something they've been told. And it's a, it's a different ballgame, you know, different paradigm. You probably grew up in what, Catholic? Catholic background? How do you think that's affected your life, Joey? Big. I'm a Catholic. I'm a yeah. Catholic to the end. You know, I, as far as religion's concerned, it's not like I have one religion. It's like, I, I, again, I'm a Jeet Kune Do religion. I went to college the in best Boulder. Of everything. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm a big Buddhist guy. You know, I used to go mm-hmm. to the Ropa Institute and do the walking meditations, and I would do all that shit. So there's a little Buddhism in there. You know, I like the Judaism religion. There's parts of that I like, you know, so I Absolutely. include that in there. You know, I'm Cuban, so I was born in Santeria religion, so I like that in there. Mm-hmm. So and all through that, and then I just live off the karma thing. You know, you step on a fucking bug. You know, when I kidnapped the guy, I got $30,000. My attorney bill was $32,000. Mm-hmm. You follow me? So I follow the karma thing. So it's always I try to, you know, take a little piece from everything, and it helps me in my daily life, to be honest with you. You know, I didn't like when I go to a Catholic church, and the first two pews, you see a guy who cheats on his wife. Yeah. Sitting there with his family, with a suit on, making believe he's the best guy in the community. I couldn't live with that. Yep. You know, in fact, when he left that day, the guy I'm talking about, I called him a fucking mammy grammar. I can't believe. You know, even I, when I go to church, I sit in the back because yeah. I'm so fucked up. I sit in the back, <laughs> okay? And you have the balls. You're cheating on your fat fucking cunt wife, but you sit in the front row putting 100 in, so that redeems you. That makes you better than me. No, it doesn't, you know? And that's just kind of shit. You know, the priest and all that shit, that doesn't. What, what am I going to do about that? Yeah. I can't control that, 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 whatever. My uncle, on the other hand, my mother's brother, he fucking hates Catholic. He says a religion of faggots. I mean, he fucking goes nuts. He fucking goes nuts. Well, a lot of people have been scarred. Yeah, a lot of he goes fucking nuts. But on the other hand, you know, there's this group in L.A., and they come out every month to protest. You know, after a while, it's like, move on. Yeah. It's like me telling everybody about my, just move the fuck on. Totally. You know, that was yesterday. Move the fuck on. You're going to sit there. I can still feel his breath on my neck. Yeah, so what, the, what do you want me to do? Move the fuck on, you know? So uh, there are little things like that that just made me, but I'm very spiritual. You know, I, I, I believe in, uh, you know, I pray to dead people. You know, I always ask sure. the, Lord, the Lord to give them light because they guide me. I believe in a lot of things a lot of people don't think I believe in, but I've seen it. You know, For me to still be in this room, I know there's something out there. For me to hug that little four-month-old I have at the house, after what I've been through in my life, mm-hmm. there's something out there. I look Absolutely. at my wife, and she's beside herself. I've done, you know, beside marrying her and trying to be the best I could to her, I gave her the best gift you could give a woman, which is a child from my heart. I'm not her baby's daddy. I'm none of that shit they talk about today. I'm that child's father. I gave her the biggest gift, and she gave me the biggest fucking gift. You know, I appreciate my life on it, Mr. Warrior Poet. Yeah, I hear you, Joey. I love and my I life. think, I, as well, you should. We all should. Otherwise, what the fuck are we here no, for? No, there's a lot this of people is, that don't appreciate the point, their life. You know? and they don't understand. This is the magic of being a, The reason to be alive is to experience the magic, all of it. All you of know, it. All of it. The sadness, the love, the joy, the pain. That's something you don't get when you're just spirit. When your spirit leaves your body, you don't get any of that, that shit, shit anymore. Not it's that all. Shit. You know, it's all just, you don't get the sensation. So enjoy all that shit. You know, if you just got broken up with that real heartache, you know, that deep heartache, there's a beauty in that. You know, there's a there's a, a feeling of being alive when you're that hurt. You know, embrace that. Don't run from, oh, and complain about it. Just go in there, eyes open, and instead of trying to claw your way out of the hole, oh, I might get sad, just dig deeper, and you'll fucking dig your way out the other side. 
You really will. You know? And that's that's what you got to do. You got to experience all. That's what we're here for, to experience everything. You know, and take the best. I think what you said about your religions is absolutely the way we should do it. Not only with religion, but philosophies and people. Take the best. Take what works. You know, don't listen to me even and, and say, ah, oh, everything Abby says is right. Take the shit that makes sense to you that I say. Take use the shit it to make it better. You use it make it better. Did. Same with religion. Islam everything. has beautiful things in it. Beautiful things in it. Judaism, Catholicism, find the beautiful parts of that, those nuggets in there. Incorporate those and just use that. You know, it's weird how... Uh, the Islam does have some beauty in their religion. It's so weird. Like It's like Scarface when it came out. Everybody thought I was a drug dealer for years. And you think it's cute for a little while, you know what I'm saying? But there's more to Cuban people. There's a lot of Cuban people that lost their homes. and sure. They went to Miami with nothing and start all over again. I always feel that when something, if I tell you this, sometimes nothing really bad happens in your life. <laughs> Did you know that? It's really all fucking good. Look, We'll take the look at if my mother wouldn't have died, I would have been a worthless human being today. Yep. I would have been a soft fucking kid, like half a million people that are walking around because my mother spoiled me. She thought because she, she had three dollars that gave her that I was better than everybody else. And it's not about money; mm -hmm. it's about you being you. So when my mother died, yeah, the life of my life died. The food I take, you know, I tell people when your parent dies, you keep living, but it's like eating food without salt on it. That's what your life is like. Yeah. You know, when I went to prison, yeah, I went to prison, and, and I should walk around like a fucking hermit and not talk to people. Why? I learned I wanted to become a comic in prison. So that ye two years at least showed me what I wanted to be. There's kids today that are walking around. They don't know what the fuck they want to be. You can't make a sword without a lot of heat and a lot of hammering. That's my boy. <laughs> you you know? know? So nothing really bad happens in this life because you always take something good out of it. Always. Even when you're sitting there, you know, my friend's wife just died, and we had to go to the wake last week. Fucking horrible. They, they took cancer in November. She was a runner guy, a fucking runner. Marathons and that hammer shit in Hawaii yep. where you run and swim. Triathlon. She had pain yeah, in her Iron back, Man. and she had a cyst on her spine, a cancer on her spine. The end of fucking November, she died, April 26th. It's amazing. He's like, it's amazing. I'm getting, look at my kids. They're starting to talk more since she's died. They didn't talk for two fucking years. So there's really nothing bad that happens in life yeah. unless you want it to be bad. You could take something good out of it, you know? I mean, Of course. And even death, you know, I, I was listening to, I got to share lunch with this guy, Ralph Metzner, who's a pioneer in the, in the field of spirituality and psychedelic science himself. And he was, he was giving a speech and he says, our society's viewpoint on death is purely infantile. You know, that we think that it's the finale, you know, that we think it's the end. It's not the, it's end. Not the end. And he was, and he, I, I appreciated what he said. He's like, it's not the end. And that's not my opinion. That's a fucking fact. That's a fact. That's a fact. That's a fact. You know, so people are so afraid of what they think is a finale. It's just a transition. It's on to something else. It's your end of your life here on earth. Yeah. And it's a shame, you know, try to, try to live as much as you can, pack as much in. But when, if it's time, it's not this great tragedy. It's just, it's a shame maybe if it was a little early or it didn't happen quite the way you wanted. But that's why you got to make sure you live every goddamn day to the best you can, you know, and try and experience everything. If, if you get the challenge, if you get that, feel what it feels like. Know that that's part of your birthright. You know, every little piece, the struggle, the triumph, the joy, the sadness, the love, all of it. It's amazing the laughter. how much fun it is. Hell yeah. It's amazing how much fun it is when you live life, you know, and I've, and it's fucking hysterical. Like I said, when I grew up, my mom had tons of money, trips, Puerto Rico. We used to travel all the fucking time, nice house. And then I had no money and I was happier at some points. 
You know, some points I was happier. It was sure. just pure happiness, you know. Uh, it's amazing the things you find out in this life, man. I'm fucking 50 years old, and I sit here. And I, Aubrey, come on. When I was taking that acid when I was 16, I literally remember going, I'm going to enjoy this because I'm not going to make it past 28. I knew it, Aubrey. I knew. And here I find myself. I thought at 50 the feds were going to have me by now and arrest me for something I did at 34, a gun or something. No, nah, my wife knocked yeah, the door. Thriving. Said, yeah. Making people laugh, making people yeah. happy every fucking day. Yeah, Joey. man. And I can't believe I even do that, you know. I can't believe I even do that, man. It's just uh, I can't believe it's been 20 years. I can't believe that, you know, you, you, you but nobody could take it away from me, Aubrey. Yeah. You know, nobody could take no. I did. I did comedy at a halftime at a Buffalo Sabres game with people throwing shit at me. No matter how bad the experience taught me, that experience made me fucking even worse about comedy. Like, this is how good I am. I got booed at a fucking hockey game, and they <laughs> threw apples at me and shit. And I was actually being funny. It was just a Buffalo Sabre game. Yeah. Buffalo loves their fucking hockey. What are you going to do, you know? Yeah. So uh, it's amazing the things. That, and nothing happens unless you get up off that fucking couch. Go do it. Nothing. You know, Arby, you look at me, and people look at me, and they think I'm some guy. If you go to my house, I have my whole day planned out to the T. You know and that? you're up early. Early. I know if I want to get a hold of Joey Diaz, I can call him as soon as I wake up. Six even though morning. even though it's two hours earlier out there in LA, Joey Diaz is gonna answer the goddamn phone because he's know, awake. I, I he's love, thriving. I love that people write me off to oh, he's a fat cokehead or whatever the fuck he's doing. I get up at four, I I I, I pray. I pray for the spirits that left me. I have mm -hmm. all my friends that anybody who did something for me that's dead, I have their picture and I say a prayer for them. Sure. That's how I open up my day. And then I feed my cats, I clean the litter box. I make some coffee, some fucking, uh, some uh, on it fucking rock steel coffee. Yeah, in my, yeah, bulletproof. In my little machine, you know, and I write and I and I and I say different things, and it's so weird. I, I say the dumbest things on Twitter, and people hit me back two days later and go, "Bro, thank you for, you know, get up and wash your ass. It's gonna be a beautiful day to be alive. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. wash your pussy. What if you run into a, <laughs> a bus full of recovering cocksuckers? You know, you never know. But you, you know, man, I, I know when I was locked up, people come to me and go, "A lot of people don't like you." Because you're always laughing in the morning. You're always happy in the morning. People don't like that. I'm like, are you fucking retarded? Yeah. How will you not want to? When I wake up in the morning, just the fact that I'm awake, bro. Yeah. Just the fact that I'm awake. You know, my animals, if you don't have an animal, get an animal. And see how he is in the morning. He doesn't want anything from you but love. And right when you're going to go kill, every day I'm going to kick one of those fucking cats, Aubrey. You know that. <laughs> when I get up and I'm peeing and they're going around uh -huh. my leg, uh -huh. I'm about to kick one of those motherfuckers. And then I look at them and I go, look at this shit. They love me and I'm alive. And I pick them up and I kiss them and my day's good for the fucking day. You just fuck me, Joe. I'm going to have to get a pet. I'm going to come home. Something. And like, a dog. You hear Joey Diaz? He's going to tell a you. A dog. Get a pet. Something I because know, I'm that, on it. you're going to see something that has no reason to give you love. Yep. There's no reason. An animal has no reason to give you love. Just, and you it's get just home, his nature. Just his nature. And you get home and you're like, this is my puppy. Yep. Or a cat or a bird or, or a turtle. So even, many animals even, are like even that. Even a fucking turtle that's just dumb looking at his shell. <laughs> After a year, they they know who you are, bro. Yeah. You know, a snake knows who the fuck you are. Sure. Uh, just It's just a beautiful thing, man. It is, man. Well, it's a beautiful time to be alive in a beautiful world we live in with all its problems, you know. There's still, we're living in the best of times. Well, you know, we, we really are. And, and people want to complain and stuff, but... Fuck, man. We have more opportunity to make life beautiful now than anybody in any time ever man, before. Man, you said something beautiful before. You talked about that some days you get up and you have that pain. You know, you broke up with somebody, mm -hmm. you have that pain. Like, 
And I remember telling somebody when I broke up with my wife when I was a kid, I'm like, I really can't even sleep at night. And they go, what, from the pain? I go, yeah. And they go, at least you're alive. You're yeah. getting pain, you're alive, bro. And that's how I look at it now. I'm, we're alive. You justify your existence. You don't lie to nobody. You do the best you can every day. Something good has to come from it. That's the church. Something good has to come from it, bro. Somebody's watching. And it will. And it will. It'll be a wind at your back. All right, my brother. That was awesome. That's it. That's it. That's we're uh, we're going to wrap this up. We'll have to do it again sometime, though. Maybe I'll hop on your podcast out there. I'd love LA. for you to call and talk about yeah. just what you're doing with the what's, because I don't really know what's in all these pills. I'm I'll interested. break it down for you. Okay. I'm I'll interested. break it down for you. And I read as much as I can, but it's like, <laughs> I don't have that much time to look up everything fucking individually. You know? Yeah. But I love what you're doing. And, Thanks, uh, Joey. It's helped me dramatically. And anybody who's fat, anybody who listens to me, I try to point, point them through it. And I, and I even walk them through the steps. And what you're doing now with this, I can't wait this because I always get jet lag. I've been on a fucking yeah. plane the last seven weeks. You know, I call you from New Orleans. Yeah. I call, you know, every week because the film business has gotten down, you know. So they're shooting all these movies away. So now with the kid and everything, I like to go out. I'm really working on a special. So this jet lag, I hope this, this is the alpha brain and powder. How much water? Yeah, just as much as you can. I mean, water's not going to hurt you. So I, I put it in like a full okay, that's what full I'm bottle of I'm water. Sorry, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. So like 16 ounces is good. 12 ounces is fine. If you got to go 8 ounces, go 8 ounces. is going to be kind of strong. And what man. flavors is coming? It's coming in orange. It's like an orange flavor. It's called On at 180. Okay. Coming out here soon. Yeah, it's, it's like got, Tang. Yeah, it's, it, is, tang, it is. Tang it's kind of like a high, it's kind of like a high C without the sugar. Okay. It's got natural sweeteners in it, like stevia and shit. But yeah, it's like got Alpha Brain, some of the what's best in Shroom Tech, some of what's best in New Mood, and some brand new shit in there too. So it's really gonna, you know, we call it 180 because it's gonna turn your shit around. You down, you down, you jet lag. 180, bitches, <laughs> turn your day around. That's what we got coming. Well, you're doing some great things, and uh, my heart goes out, brother. I'm, Likewise, Joe. We're working together, and we're trying to help the world one day at a time. Absolutely, my brother. Thank Absolutely. You. All right, everybody. We'll be back next week with both the Anna and the Warrior Poet Podcast. Stay tuned, bitches. Love you. Later.